0: Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Rob, Shannon, and Kenyatta tonight we have a very, very special episode we are joined by Mr. David Pitt Conley founding member of the group Surface how you doing Mr. Conley?
1: I'm doing great, what's up guys?
0: what's up man? It's a, nice it's a pleasure to have you you know, to me you have one of the most memorable if not the most memorable flute riffs at the beginning of a record <laughs> How often, do you, how often do you hear somebody say that to you? Do people tell you that often?
2: I'm now, it up.
1: There, you
0: there you go. I haven't played
1: that thing so long. <laughs>
2: Actually,
0: we're, we're
1: in between shows. We haven't done any shows this year yet. So, really? uh, our, our next shows coming up is gonna be in May. That's okay. so stupid! Not not playing that, that riff right. That's crazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right I, hear, there. I, hear,
1: I hear it all the time. Everybody.
0: <laughs> of course, cause soon as you soon as you hear that flute riff, you know what's coming afterwards. That classic record. <laughs> so tell us, tell us, you know, tell us how you end up getting into music and becoming a musician. Like, what influenced your musical journey? I'll
1: tell you what. It was, you know, I think it had all to do with God because I went through all the high school, all elementary school, and never picked up a oh, wow. And I, I graduated from high school back at Trim, 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 Trim. And uh, when I graduated, I was just walking down the street and a friend of mine, he had a flute. He had this flute and he was trying to sell it for 25 bucks. So I didn't have 25 bucks on me. So I said, hey, I'll give you 10. And he gave it to me for $10. Mm-hmm. Now, but at the time, to show you where my head was at, at the time, I was really a hustler. I looked at that pretty blue. It looked brand new. I said, I could sell this thing for 25 myself, and I'll make me a couple thousand dollars a That's where I was. Right. So, I, And I was literally right around the corner from my house. So I took it, and I went on home. It was only a block away. And I went down inside the basement, and I opened up the case, and I looked at it, and I was like, hey, look at this thing. So pretty, and and then I figured out how to put it together because you have to put it in pieces, you know. So you put right, the,
3: right, right. You got to the foot
1: joint on, and then you put your uh, head joint on. And I figured that, and I said, "How do you play this thing?" You know. And I knew that you played like you blow into a bottle. Cause I used to blow into bottles all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just put that on my mouth, and I just said, like, oh, "I can play it." And then I figured out where to put my hands. I just kind of felt wherever it felt good. Right. Figured out, and I knew they played with one hand under one hand over because I've seen blue players. Right. So I figured that part out, and then all of a sudden, next to you now, I was playing four songs like... <laughs> I can't believe one more mess up today. But anyway i figured out how to play that right and then once i did that literally the same day so i started playing around with little nursery rhymes and stuff like that and i just just put my fingers where they were supposed to go and i was just playing it so that was the beginning of me playing the flute so after i kind of learned how to do it i went looking for little musicians running around the town so i found a flute player that, I, that was a good friend of mine he just passed away as a matter of fact he just passed away his name was Chico and I knew that that little guy he was a little like me too I said that dude right there he played flute maybe I can get him to show me a couple of things right so I wanted to learn how to play uh the songs that I was really loved by Mandrill it was called Halo and it was featured the blue and I asked Chico if he could show me how to play that thing and I had to record everything he put the put the needle on the record and he started playing piece by piece Every little piece, he said, learn that piece right there first, and right. then learn the second piece, to learn the third piece. Next sure you know, it—not that same day—but I was playing around with it, playing around with it. But later on that night, when I got back to it, I was able to play that song. Wow. You know, and and who would have known that I would have ended up being in that particular group? Because I would have never known that my playing was going to get to the point where I could play with Manfred. So I always looked at them as being great musicians. You know, right. and so. But at that point, I didn't play flute. I only played the flute to get in the band. At that point, Mm -hmm. later, I was playing saxophone with them.
3: You was hustling. I was hustling.
1: I was a (laughs) big hustler. That's that was my thing. You know, coming from East Orange, New Jersey, we all were doing some hustling at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned um, East Orange because we had Tawatha Ag on and we were talking to Han. it's like man like what's in the water out oh, of New Jersey that there's all yeah. talent and, and, oh, yeah, and yeah. musicians like what is it about new jersey that everybody new jersey seemed to have like its own renaissance period going on with talented musicians
1: you know you'd be surprised who came out of new jersey i mean some some beasts came out of new jersey like like crazy like even frank sinatra came out of jersey uh oh, wow. cool the gang they came out of jersey were good friends of mine um in the gang, let's see, uh, um, oh man, so many people, uh, um, a young group, uh, Young and company. they had a platinum record back in that day, Young and Comforty, Slave, I, I, also got a okay, wow. with right, Clay,
3: let's
1: play. That's it. Yeah, Slave was dope, right, with Steve Washington and yeah. Yeah. Steve Arrington, they were both in the same group and they would invite me up to the studio. As a matter of fact, that's how I got my first record deal. Uh, me and David Townsend, God bless him as well, because, you know, he was one of the third members of, of Surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he passed away. But uh, we wrote a song called Falling in Love, and I had it on a cassette tape, and I went up to the studio where Steve Washington and Slave was in, and the president of the record company was in there, and I told him I had a really hot song. He said, you do? Let me hear it. So he took us into the other studio, and I played the song for him. He said, wow, you do have a hot song. He said, but it's not a record, it's just a demo. I said yeah he said you do that as a demo i put it out as a record i was like why? you put the record out? Uh, i was like Bug it you know what i mean so you <laughs> me watching then i got my first record deal mm-hmm. just by being in the right place at the right time
3: look at that mm-hmm. you know what i loved about your flute playing you did a rendition of secret garden oh my god
1: oh you heard that huh
3: yes sir yes sir. that's one of my favorite songs growing up when i heard the flute play of it this nice. man is amazing right
2: here, man. You ah. know,
1: there's something very special about that particular recording because that recording had two of, of the top flute players playing with me. And I had uh, Hubert Laws, who was probably my favorite flute player in the world, you know, and Nelson Rangel. And they're all super, super, super bad flute players. That's right. That's So for me to even play with those guys, I had to trip them up a little bit. So I have this big, giant flute called the bass flute. Okay. and i took that particular part and played barry white's part because it's real low
3: yeah yeah so <laughs> no. i
1: played it the base food just to hang out with those guys because i'm not as good as those guys <laughs> um these guys are like the top in the world food players mm-hmm. but it, it, it gave me an opportunity to hang out with the greats for a minute you know what i mean so i was like oh snap i got an opportunity to play with human regardless Nelson that chap right you get company. So you know, I was I was stoked. You know what I'm saying. So it was it was a great experience that particular song.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell us how you how, how did you link up with man, Mandrill? Being at the right place at the right time. Actually, I was sitting out in front of my house. I, well, I was out in California, and I was I was staying with a friend of mine, a keyboard player named Mac. He was, he was a keyboard player in my band. Right. So the bass player at the band came riding by the house, and he said, "You ain't complete this man. I just left Mandrill." I said, you "Left Mandrill? Where was he at?" He said, damn, hey, in the studio. <laughs> said, no, please take me up there, take me up there, right? Because uh, at the time my eyes was going really bad, so I couldn't drive or nothing like that. And I certainly didn't know how to take the bus up there because it was a studio city, right? Mm. So he said, uh, he, finally he, he gave in. He took me up there. He said, I'm just going to leave you up there, whatever, I got to go. <laughs> so he just dropped me off at the studio, Fidelity Sound. And I knew the guys so well because I, I was their biggest fan, you know what I mean? So. I walked in, as soon as I walked in, I saw Coffee, I saw Carlos, because Carlos kind of almost taught me how to play the flute by listening to his records. Right. So they was all like, what is this little guy come from? I just busted in the studio, right? I told him, I said, Yo, I play flute. And so he said, You play flute? I said, Yeah, I got my flute right here. He said, he said, let, let me hear what you got. I said, I I'll play your song. He said, You know how I play one of my songs? I said, Yeah. So I busted the flute and I played Kohei Lo. I better not mess it up. I'm just going to play just a piece of it. I just played mm-hmm. it right in front of him. He was standing literally just close to me. <laughs> right?
2: He went. So yeah.
1: right? I went into the song, and he was shocked, because I, I played it just like him. Because I, I studied under him. He don't know that, though. Mm-hmm. And then, um, <laughs> then he, he looked at me. and says, "Play it again." But I tripped him, tripped him out, because I went to see him at Randall's Island in New York, right? And I had my little tape recorder, so I taped them <laughs> And when I taped them, they played it a little bit different And they played a very, very high note, like a high D, which is above C. Right. And he ended up on that note. And when I played that thing that time, I played it with the high note. He looked at me like.
2: Who is this
1: little dude, right? Yeah. So he, he, then he said that uh, you know, that get ready to audition sax players. I said, "Why well, play sax?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, I play sax." So he said, "Why don't you bring it around tomorrow so we can check you out on sax?" And but, but I played alto sax. I didn't play uh, tenor because it was a tenor that mm-hmm. you wanted.
2: Right.
1: So I went up there audition for, the, for the for the band and then they called me back the next day and they said you know what we really really like you but we need a tenor sax player in the band you know we don't need an alto sax player. Like, oh. says, okay, okay. <laughs> so i went into um i went into like like coin shops excuse me and i found a, a tenor sax in a uh, porn shop for 60 bucks so i went and bought the thing took it home and, and the tenor is in a different key than the uh, alto, so I sat there because I was like one of those musicians that really learned a lot, right? So I transposed all the songs that they wanted me to play into the tenor sax. So I went back up there, I said, yo, look what I got, and they looking at me like, oh, this dude's still here, what's up with him?
3: Like,
1: I got a tenor. So. Yeah.
3: You you we definitely have some luck. with getting some with some instruments. Yeah.
1: From your yeah. Friend. Now right? you got. So packed. check this out though. This is kind of weird because when I start, seeing they're like me, like right now. So some some of the songs that I've written or, or played on or whatever, I forget right. them after a while. So they didn't re- really even remember the song. So he says, let's hit it. Ba, ba, ba. I said, whoa, hold up. I said, you Carlos, you take this note. Dun, dun, dun. You take the. You know, now take this note. They didn't even know the harmony. So I gave the harmony off the tenor that I just transposed. I was hungry as heck, y'all. <laughs>
2: so
1: went on and hit the thing, bam. Next thing you know, they're looking at me like, yo, man, this guy, he's got to be in the group, right? Right. There
2: was a little
1: They wanted to put a violin player in the group to ease me out of it. But I told him straight, I said, look, you only ain't we had in this group. I'm in this group. Y'all don't know me. I'm, I know all your songs. I know all of them. So they, they went on to say, okay. Meet me at the uh, bus stop, uh, uh, no, the, where there was, uh, was the tour bus. They were going to do a gig in San Diego. I was in Los Angeles at the time. It was be here. I was sewing up there like probably about two hours early, just sitting on the side waiting for that bus to come. And that was my first gig down in San Diego with Mandra. That was just one of those
3: times. What year was that, you know, not mind me That was in
1: 1977. Mm-hmm. The first time I was on Soul Train was with Mandrill in
3: 1978. I was gonna uh, ask you about that experience. That,
0: that was that look. That was a f- that was a nice little flex. The first time I was on Soul Train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've been on a couple of times. You
1: know, surface, yeah. Of course, uh, surface, you know, we, we
3: did uh, Soul Train. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had number one records at the time. But, you know, that's right. Mm. So with, with all the stuff that you did, accomplished was like what? what the Flute and the group and everything else. What do you what do you enjoy? What's the most about it? About about your music.
1: Well, you know, after, after all these instruments and stuff I've been playing, I always stick to the flute. Okay. So I had to come back to the flute and just really make it, you know, make it my life story because that's what I do the best. You know what I mean? You know, the keyboards and the sax and the percussion. You know, all that stuff is okay, but. The flute is where, really where my heart is. And this is the one that, you know, God gave me this thing, you know what I mean? Because right. mm-hmm. the first time I had it in my hands, I knew how to play it. Now, I can't ask you, I mean, I can't answer that question, how did, how did you learn how to play? Because he gave it to me. He literally said, Shoo, boom, here, yours. Mm-hmm. So even right now, my whole purpose actually in life is to not only edify the people, because you know, I'm also, you know, an Israelite, this is what we do, we teach. So, right. but I also, I'm I using this to really help people feel better about their life because we have so much trouble here in the world.
2: Right.
1: And you know, when I play this flute, play certain melodies and stuff for them, it makes people feel a certain way. Because it's the is light, it's real light. It's life. so and you it light and beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then even when we do shows, when we do shows because of "Show Me Which Love, which was written by Bernard Jackson, uh, songs like that, and Closer and Friends and Happy, everybody's like, yo, man, you know, I grew up on those songs. This is my child right here. Right. I know she's older now, but I, I made this girl right over here. So I knew, right? <laughs> right? They're telling me stories like that. So, you know, God blessed me not only with a beautiful instrument, but even a beautiful group that's able to take some old songs from like, damn near 30 years ago and still playing them now. Still, you know, people still loving So it's it's a beautiful life to
3: be able to be able to do that kind of thing you know so yeah i, tell so you, I, got, I got a story i got a story about closer closer than friends when i was a teenager that's oh, all really? I got. let me tell you something <laughs> if, I could, if i could digress just for a second i might have been about and it might have been about 16 i met this young lady sweet young lady or whatever and i happened to be at her house way too long so now, I'm telling you, Closer Than Friends was on. It might have been about 1, 2, 30 in the morning. And we're laying in her room. We're chilling out. We end up falling asleep. I look at the time. I'm like, damn, my mom's going to kill me. Less than two seconds later, all I hear was, Robert! <laughs> my mother screaming me, screaming for me out this young girl's window. And I'm like, hold on, son. And that song, Closer Than Friends, <laughs> was playing.
0: Oh God! I'm,
1: I'm gonna forget
0: that,
1: my child. Man. I say that's actually my favorite surface song. My
0: oh, favorite. wow! I love that song. It's so cute so- Yeah, it's to me, it's I, I. think it's remarkable how you were able to actually integrate the flute into like some of the, that the up-tempo R&B type stuff. Because you don't think flute when you when you think R&B. But like I said, those flute riffs is like man you know you
1: don't and you're right because and that was my problem when i started out playing i love playing the flute but as you know i play sax but even with mandrill i didn't get the gig with mandrill on the flute i just got i just let them know that i'm a musician mm-hmm. but you know you have to you have to play something you know i'm back in the days with the horn sections so the horn sections was happening, so I had to get a sax. It was just the only progression. If I'm gonna stay in this world of music, well, I gotta use what they're using. And they was that the only instrument you played, Big Man? Pretty much, that and bongos. Because yes. everybody had to play percussion. Okay. But, you know, I kind of, I always hit, hit, hit on bongos and cougars and stuff like that coming up. So I knew, I had the rhythm because I was from New Jersey and there was a lot of Latin bands up in New Jersey. So, so mm. you know, it, the, the rhythm kind of just moved into it, you know. But um, basically it was just the tenor sax, really. You know, I'm not saying backgrounds wrong, but it was just group, group backgrounds singing and stuff like that. It wasn't no lead singing like Bernard. No, it wasn't like that. It was background mm-hmm.
0: sax. So, so in addition to playing these instruments, you also are, are a writer. You know, what led to you becoming a writer and what does your writing process look
1: like? Well, out of nowhere, like about two weeks ago, because I haven't been writing a lot lately. And since I've been studying the Bible, I wrote an album called uh, Holy Sounds of Service. Mm. And the name of the album was called Download from Heaven. And this is my first venture into what you guys might call gospel, but it's not gospel at all. It's really just a spiritual music right. that, That's the lyrics literally are coming off of uh, some of the stories in the Bible. So I hadn't wrote a, a whole album since then. But I mean, I did, I did, I did a fluke record that's, that's up on deck now. I'm getting ready to put it out pretty soon. But the last two weeks, me and a friend of mine named Martin, Martin Bloxon, I just called him up one day about two weeks ago and I said, you know, George Benson's looking for some songs. You know, George Spencer, a good friend of mine. So he said, I'm getting ready to do another album. He said, why don't you write me a song? So that night I called him up. I said, yo, we got to do something for George, right? I woke up the next day. He had a whole track ready, right? Wow. And that track was ready. I sat down, I'm like, yo, man, we got to write this thing. So, you know, started writing the lyrics for it and the melodies and stuff like that, right? And he's, a, he's like a lead singer himself, so. He was able to take take the ideas that I had and kind of augment them up, fix them all up like that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, we got a song for George, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and we played it for George. He said, "I love it. I want it on my record." So that one. And then we wrote another one for George, and he loves that one. So we got two songs on George Benson's record right now. Mm -hmm. And so you asked, what was the what was the uh, process like? In this particular sense, because I wasn't doing any music, because sometimes we do tracks too, but. Mm -hmm. Being that Martin is so prolific with the music, he yeah, had this music, the whole track was done. All I had to do was sit down and write the, the lyrics to it, right? And, uh, you know, George had me going back and forth because, you know, he has a certain idea of what lyrics he wants too. So, you know, once I figured that out, you know, we, we sat down and did it. So the process was really he had the music, and I put the music in my computer, and I sat down and sang the song, and then he took the song from me after I sang it, Then he saying it and fix what little parts he heard right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so that's the way we've been working in the last couple of weeks okay. now when we were writing with with surface in the beginning of surface the first song was with karen Coke and she was the lead vocalist for surface mm-hmm. we wrote a song called falling in love and, and it, did be, it it charted here and everything but it was bigger overseas than here. but we would sit down you know and i would play the uh the bass synthesizer and do the drum programming. And then he would, Dave would play the guitar and the keyboards, right? So we put the song together and and I wrote the first verse, he wrote the second verse, you know, he wrote the the chorus, the chorus, and he wrote the bridge. So we came up with a song that way. But when the three of us got together, Mm. it would be like, you know, me and Bernard, I mean, me and Dave would do pretty much do the basic tracks, which is like the bass, the drums, Mm -hmm. the piano. And then Bernard would come in with his microphone and he'd write the uh, the words and stuff to it, right? And we became so prolific that they actually gave us a songwriter's deal at EMI back then. That's
3: right. Yeah, we write for everybody. Yeah,
1: we ended up being writers for everybody else before we would write this for ourselves. Yeah. You know, we didn't have a record deal yet. We had a writer's deal, but it it's called a publishing deal. So we ended up writing songs for Sister Sledge, Wayne Guthrie, Isaac Hayes, Jermaine Jackson, uh, um, new, edition. Yeah. new
2: edition
3: that was
1: our first big one actually yeah
3: mm. let's be friends let's be friends yes sir mm. and
1: when we saw him on Soul Train doing that song we lost our freaking mind <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Brown was he stepped off the crowd he started doing his little dance oh man it was crazy I lost my mind
3: so, now, I did I did some research did you write something for Cool G Rap well actually you
1: know it was happy it was mm. happy it did the track Uh-oh. for Cool G Rap I- and ah. now, don't leave Niles out. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. fast, I on, fast Life and Fast Cars was, I think, the name of it. Yeah, Fast, so, death, fast so, Life. That's what it. we didn't know was going to happen was that the rappers and other singers was going to be covering our songs after we did them. Mm-hmm. And R. Happy R. was one of the, of the, the big covers that, that people would do. Like, R. R. Kelly did it. R. Kelly, R. Kelly, R. Kelly. did it. Oh. To Make Me Happy. 69 exactly. uh, Boys. So many people. Uh um uh, what's the guy's name the TV show uh uh, uh da, 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 da. Nick Cannon
0: uh, Nick Cannon
1: know. did it with uh Fat Joe Oh okay mm-hmm.
0: oh. yeah yeah and they I
1: did the video and everything oh just recently uh, little Duval and, and Bootsy they just did it you know it? the track I mean that that song keeps getting oh. so, so hold on, on hold on hold hold a, a second song. Huh?
0: With, with y'all being involved and in having a, um, you know, having your publishing everything, you you still right. retain the rights to the song, I hope.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, we do. All oh, right. You know, God. when somebody else does it and they put raps in it, then you know, especially a big artist like like R. Right, Kelly, come on, right. you know, I was like, yo, whatever he wants, give it to him. <laughs> I was I was expecting him to take about fifty percent of the song, and I was down with it,
0: yeah. but he
1: ended up taking twenty five, so he was he was cool. Wow, it was wow, cool. okay. So we took 25% of the song, and generally we just negotiate negotiate what we're going to give people uh, when they do our songs, oh, you know. Right. And when it worked uh, opposite for me, I did a song on um, uh, Posh Spice
3: oh, with okay. Damon Dash,
1: right? So we did Don't Disturb This Groove. Uh-oh. Now we're writing this song, you know, wow. and, 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 but Jesse did uh, the, did the lyrics that time, and I did the music track, right? Mm-hmm. But when we got down to David uh, Frank, is that his name, David Frank? I think it's David Frank. He took almost like eighty-five percent. of the song. Oh wow!
0: Wait, so, so he what did, he, did? Don't
1: disturb the groove over from the system? That's from the system, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we did wow. the we did the track, the music. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and then we we changed all the music. But Jessie changed all, I mean, all the lyrics. She, she changed mm-hmm. all the lyrics on the song. And, and, it, and it was called This School. Oh, OK. But we had that one section in there that was Don't Disturb This group. Mm-hmm. It was that little chord section, even though we didn't use not, not, not one of the lyrics that was in there. You know? Yeah. We changed the whole thing around. Yeah. But they took 85% of the song. So it depends on who you're dealing with, how much of the song, how, how important the song is to each person.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Have you ever heard? Have you ever had somebody come to you and ask for clearance and you heard the record, oh, yeah. you asked to hear the record first and be like, nah, I'm not
1: clearing that? Well, you know what? Certain times we probably would not clear it because uh, when I look at something like uh, Coogee Rap and Nas, the way they did the song, you know, it's, it's not what I'm really into, you know what I mean? But right. and then you know when you when you have an old school group, you know that's 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 the record their record stuff is kind of pretty much faded now, you know what I mean? But we keep going through these other groups, so we're we're light on people, you know. Even though we wouldn't write lyrics like that, you know, uh, we we wouldn't do it. But we're still giving them the rights to the song. They just go yeah. and it's just really a financial thing.
3: I'm, okay. I'm just happy
1: because it
3: keeps us alive. It keeps <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to hear that you have your own rights and you own those songs but so well,
1: we don't have our own rights so that now you're into a different subject now when you did when we did when we did our first publishing deal we had a split deal with EMI okay but did we have all the rights no' okay. we still had to split it with them
3: right
1: so even today, we still split the rights with another company. Okay. But you know that was what that was the price we did to get on. You know what I mean? So you know, right now we anything that I right now
3: it you know, belongs to me. So. Right, whole new game
1: now. You got to hold your IP.
0: So is that so? Do you chalk something that like that up to just the cost of doing business? or, you know just.
1: You know we we were the pioneers of that thing. You know we were the first. Uh, actually first black writers on on emi you know this is oh, back me. in 1985 mm-hmm. so in the beginning we're all going to take some hits some yeah. people just take more bigger hits than others so it was a price to pay but we didn't even know what publishing was in the beginning you know we did um falling in love i signed all my publishing rights away and didn't even know it Man. so the first thing you got to remember is.
3: That's such a common story
1: yeah but we didn't know we were kids
3: right that's right. last
1: eight kids don't get me wrong i was still about 30 years old when i started doing doing uh, doing, uh writing for other people for uh-huh. us. so i was actually kind of old in the game you know because even even when uh Falling in love came out i had to be at least 30 years old mm-hmm. you know so I okay. yeah. was young when we started he was still in his 20s Mm. But by the, time Bernard, by, by the time Bernard came around, I think I was like 32 years old when I did that, you know? Mm. So that that's kind of old in the business, you know what I mean? They, like, you know, Bernard was the star anyway. He was the one, you know, to look at, you know? Bold, we were the real. producers and, and uh, the musicians, you know? Wow. We, we and Dave, we sang background on a couple of songs, like you and my everything, stuff like that. But, but it was very it was very few. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard did told so well brother like What he did, we left him alone so when did
0: you when did you realize that you had something with surface that like wow we really surfaces we really gonna be something
1: actually you know who it was it was actually my nephew told me and he was into rapper he was real young he was probably about 12 or 13 years old and um we lived in a house where i had one side of the house and the second side of the house it was a duplex Dave and Bernard was staying over there. So we had built a studio over there because it used to be over at my house, but then we moved it over there. And so my, my nephew ran over to me, yo, Uncle Pick, Uncle Pick, man. You should hear the thing Dave working on. I'm like, yo, where? He said, yeah, come on. And me and Bernard was over on my side, so we ran next door. And when we got up there, upstairs in the studio, Dave was playing the keyboards, right? Had the drum machine going, and he was singing, only you can make me happy, just that much it's like, oh, shit. You know, we, all we knew is we liked it. Yeah. So then I jumped on the bass, right? And and Bernard went and grabbed his pen and started writing the rest of the lyrics. And then, I mean, in no time, like 15 minutes, we had the whole song written. Right?
0: So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. <laughs> Yo, hold on a second. You mean to tell us that Happy was, you wrote Happy in 15 minutes?
1: 15 minutes. Wait a minute. because we came in on days. So Dave had the chords and, and the chorus already there. So we jumped on him. So, you know, I have to credit that, so I don't know, I don't know where that came from. But anytime Dave would write a, a hook, which is a chorus, he always had something nice, it was always dope, right? And so all we really did was just finish it off, you know? So yeah, it, it happened real quick. But we already had the chorus already, you know what I mean? So once you have that, the story comes quick. It's, you know, it's just
0: listen to you say that, it just makes me think about, like, you know, how people get into their creative space. Because, you know, you think about, I'm sure as, as a writer, you've probably been up against deadlines where people are like, we need these records from you. And how difficult it must be to get creative when you face with a deadline. But any other time, you know, like, you creative juices could come to you when you're in the shower, when you're in the car, whatever it is. You it, know, it, but but yeah.
1: on the deadline stuff, we've had deadlines before. And, um, you know, it's, it's just really a blessing from God. It just got to be straight up because deadlines almost don't mean anything when you when you, when you just kind of got a, 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 I would say a formula how to do it, you know what I mean? So people liked us to write for them because they liked what we did for us. And they would say, can you give me one of them? Can right. you give me them? Can you give me one of them? You know, so a lot of times we was really getting gigs just because they liked what we were doing. They wanted a piece of that, you know? So, yeah. so because it kind of came from us, it was kind of almost like second nation. It was kind
3: of easy to do. What, 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 what was the idea of naming the group surface?
1: You know, I don't know how, it just kind of came out, right? We had a deal and we didn't have a name for the group. And it was just me and Karen Copeland at the time, you know? So I'm sitting up there trying to figure out some names of the, of the group. And one of my uh, one of my co-writers from from long 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 time you know we, we've been together for a long time Josh Josh Thompson who also wrote, wrote a lot for Joe he um he was kicking out some names with me and he said I think he said uh, something about wind uh, airwaves that's what it was he said airwaves in and, and America I just said surface and he goes airwaves or surface I said no I like surface. He, <laughs> It was just one of them creative things that just came out. Right. And later on, after it came out, then all of a sudden it started to have a little bit more reading, but it had no meaning. To make it again. Mm-hmm.
3: It was Uncle just Pick?
1: a full name.
3: Let me tell you yeah. something, Uncle Pick. you walking with the Lord, because the Lord dropped the flute in your hand, you the <laughs> <your own laughs> surface. Listen, man. <laughs> you walking with the Lord,
1: bro. It's just no question. And, and that's why I love to do music for him. And you know if i write a song you know even a song we did on, on george you know we still like it to be clean right you know i'm i'm out of that even though you know surface never really did nothing too crazy anyway like our peers it was straight up let me look you up and down you know but <laughs> well, we we was you know shower me with your love you know so mm-hmm. we were those guys so i still kept that integrity of, of the lyrics these days you know so mm. you know that's just the way it is right now I got I got two kids over here, you know. I have a new uh, a new marriage right now for forty years, you know. So, well, congratulations! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and the two boys are like thirteen and fourteen. Okay. And, and I had two boys um, on my own, you know, which was uh, Tal and Miles. But unfortunately, last year, you know, because I guess of the pressures of, of this world for these young kids out here. He was 27 when he he passed away, but he took his own own life.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Wow. Yeah, but he
1: was 27 years old last year. So, yeah, that was a heavy hit. But Mm -hmm. when you look at, if you really look inside of what's going on in the world today with these young folks, a lot of them really feel like, I don't know how old you guys got, but a lot of young people coming out of high school into college and stuff, they, they feel like a YOLO. You know, you only did once. They feel like, mm-hmm. well, we're 25 anyway. I'm like, I don't know where this mentality came from. You know? Let but me I, ask you, since you
3: weird. speak of Israelites, do you think it's a lack
1: of spirituality at this time? This time no in- question. No question. Because, look, we yell and scream about cops killing us, but guess who kills us we do. We
3: do.
1: And, and you know there was a billboard down south somewhere I, I live in uh, 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 the Atlanta area now okay. but there was a billboard somewhere that said the worst place for a black child is in a black woman's belly wow. why? because she's aborting them right. you know there's millions of aborted kids that didn't even get a chance to come out here and show what they got so it's more than just us killing each other it's the women killing us why is the women killing us because they're having sex before they're you know before they really know what's going on with life and and then you end up with a whole lot of baby mama drama you know and all of these things are, are it's a constant cycle going around so One of the things that we try to do is we try to bring the integrity back into the black people's minds and the Mexicans and the so-called Native American Indians, right? Because we didn't really have a chance like a lot of other people had. So what do we do? You know, we we pimp, we we hustle, we just stay in the streets, we get high, we we get drugs, we we get guns we're just living a terrible life. We go from this girl to this girl to this girl to this girl, to this girl. and you know, I'm am a part of that too. I, I would never do that now, because I've been taught already, you know, that there's a way that you live. But the way that you live is a, a certain way that was really put down on the Bible, because the Bible tells you you should be doing certain things. Right. Mm-hmm. But what do we do? Our lust kills us, you know. So mm-hmm. and it causes us to have no fathers in the houses now. Right. Women women being the head of, of the families now and you know what happens when women are the head of families a lot of time a lot of time not all the time a lot of times you know the young young boys get a little feminine you
3: yeah, know there's a stat out there about single women raising boys and how those numbers. well
1: yeah they get girly tendencies you know and, right. and look, come on I'll, whatever you say you know hey which you don't like gay people but look god don't like gay people so you really a, a man is supposed to be a woman uh, I know I might get some flack for that, but you know, that's just the way it is, guys. And if we just follow his rules, the, the way he put us here to do, right. we wouldn't have these problems out here, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: One law, love your brother like you love yourself. One, just one.
2: That's it.
1: If we was to do that, we wouldn't be giving drugs to our, our brothers out in the streets or sisters. We wouldn't be, you know, causing them to be prostitutes and homes. You know, we wouldn't be stealing from them, you know?
3: We wait. In integrity, man. That's it's it's worse. You're right about that. Yeah.
0: I, how do you How do you think um, being vision impaired has helped or hindered your artistry?
1: Well, we're living in a world of, 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 of AI. so much technology now. So. Maybe if I'd have came up with Sam Cooke and those guys, where well, they didn't have so much technology, because you know I run the studio by myself. You know, of course, I got I got no. You know, with the technology, it makes it easy. You know, but before, you know, it was a little difficult. But my eyes were slowly going down along the way. You know, because I went to engineering school and everything. So once you look at your eyes, it is kind of hard. But at the same time, it helps your ears it helps your creativity in some other different kind of way. But at the same time, you know, I had to take that thing and say, you know what, this is the way God wants me to be. So why are you fight it? You can't change it. You can't. <laughs> There's no technology punches. that's going to make me see.
3: Yeah, roll with the punches, man.
1: Yeah. So, so I knew I had that kind of personality where I could always kind of be positive about myself, and I was never one of those guys that's gonna sit in the corner somewhere and just boom, boom. That's not, that's not right, right. So, mm-hmm. and for me to make it in this business, this treacherous, no good business, man, I had to be strong inside of myself because this business is not friendly to to, to nice guys. No one. Sorry. Sorry. Nope. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, so we get, we get ripped off and everything
0: so has the, has the vulnerability that comes with being vision impaired helped you personally and professionally also because I, I i would imagine it requires extreme levels of trust in people
1: you know it really does and and i travel the world so a lot of people go, do you travel with somebody sometimes i do sometimes i don't but I'm the kind of guy that would go to a place like Japan and still make it in there by myself, by getting around, by talking to people, who blah, 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 or, you know, yeah. like, go there? They could take me and bring me somewhere else where I ain't supposed to be, but it doesn't happen very often. Have I been in situations where it was kind of rough for me to figure out? Yeah, but, you know, I always figure it out. So I always, once again, my life is really strange like that. I always felt like there was somebody walking with me. Even when I was crazy, even when I was not even no good. You know, when I was the one that had all these girls, when I was the one that was smoking weed, when I was the one that was doing all this crazy stuff. But somebody still was was with me. And so I finally woke up. I said, man, he's really going to be with me now. You know, so all I had to do was just wake up. You know, so I just woke up one day and I said, wow. Life is different now. You
3: know, I had a brother, um, who passed away not too long ago he was blind he said man now that I'm blind I think the best sight is insight." Mm-hmm. and the way he lived his life and how he was moving about like he had everything under control I swear I talked to my brother I would not think he was blind he's like yeah, Rob, you're from curtain shop and you wanna come I'm like why are you playing with me bro <laughs> it's like well, now you know, I'm
1: going with my wife you gotta have yeah. trust you gotta have trust yeah to a certain degree now you know mm-hmm. you have to we call it we call it you have to prove that person you want a friend you got to prove first right, right? And, and, you know you don't want anybody just walking you around because people like i keep saying people are terrible out here
3: yeah,
1: you think everybody's supposed to be kind to a, a blind dude no oh,
3: take advantage oh, no
1: you gotta you gotta prove them
0: Yeah. You know, so at, at, what, oh, at what age okay. did you um? At what age did you lose your sight?
1: I think it was like maybe more like uh, 1997 when my sight was getting to the point where you know you need a cane mm-hmm. to walk with, you know. Okay. So I started going to the uh, Commission for the Blind. You know, they were teaching me how to get around and things like that. Even though I could still see, mm-hmm. but my sight was going so bad that then it gradually became. Right before it got dark, at the dusk, that's when I can actually see the best. Mm-hmm. Something about the lights and all that kind of stuff was kind of bothering me a little bit, right? I don't even remember how old I was around like in, the, in the 97, but I know in 97, that's kind of stamped in my head. That's when I needed to have that kid mm-hmm. to walk around, and I needed to be trained. So even though I was training for the future, it was still something that had to be done, because I knew that the doctor said, you know, one day you're just going to ride blind. You know, wow. that's, just, that's just the nature of the disease. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to just get that mentality going, and just like you know, go with the higher powers out here. You know, yeah. that's where that's where it is, right?
0: And and what was it like coming to terms with that?
1: It was I, it was no choice. I couldn't do anything to change. Although I looked around for all kinds of technology and all kinds of new inventions and all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and that's why I had things that could read books for me. That phone right there, you know, it, 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 it. I study by the phone. Right. I have books. I belong to a book club. I read all the time. I read every day. Of course, I read the Bible every day, but I read other books every day. I've had book. I've had machines that scans books, and I've had uh, uh, albums and stuff with, with books on albums in the early, early, early days and tape. The early, early day, early days. But right now, phew, we roll rolling right now.
2: Oh, that's great.
1: So everything, everything that I roll with has speech. My computer's back here, they, they talk to me. Mm. So people are like, how do you mix records now? I'm like, yo man, computer's talking to me, yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: They talking, baby, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah.
1: I miss seeing, don't get me wrong, I do. And I've never seen my wife, everybody tells me how beautiful she is, know, But I, I miss seeing, and, and I wish I could see my, my kids and my wife, you know, but... Mm. You know, I know she had. It. I can tell you. <laughs> And that's all that
3: matters, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> Once again, you know, that's that kind of blessing that that's put on you, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I
1: gotta just be chill, you know what I mean? Because things are just that uh, you know, I can't get behind the
2: car and drive myself. You know?
1: yeah. uh-huh. But don't fight guess what? what? These cars out here right now. They're coming real close to be able to drive this. <laughs> yeah, going yeah and test when them. That really test, you're gonna see me up in that bad boy. Yo, what's up? Yeah, i going <laughs> down the highway, cruising, cruising, baby. You know, yeah, yeah. it's going down. It's going down. If, it's, if I live long enough, it's going down.
3: Hmm. Let's get back to the music real quick. Tell me about the transition of your lead singer, Karen Copeland, to Bernard Jackson. How was that transition? Well,
1: you know. Karen was a great singer you know and she was a woman so first of all she was a woman actually she was a very young woman she was only 30 30 years old when she passed away but her voice was just magically sweet and when Bernard got into the group you know kind of like through some 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 systems this that the other but he kind of sounded like a girl anyway yeah, his voice yeah. is very high pitched people used to say Yo, who, who's, who's that girl you got singing with you i like that ain't no girl that's, that's Bernard
3: there <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing
1: girly about him
3: right, even, his voice
1: might be high pitched but no that's that's all man right there so that transition it was just a different personality and I had
2: to just
1: get plus my vision when I was with Karen I had a different vision of the group at the time and she just didn't want to go with it so we was kind of falling on down anyway because we were both real short right and we look real cute together right and she got this beautiful voice and i'm back there playing the flute have stayed with her and all this kind of stuff and i was like you know we should be like And to even we didn't go together and i said we should act like we we are lovers right and she was like i don't even really know do with you she's blowing <laughs> you off, right it's just it's just an act so I, don't, I, don't I don't want nobody to think I'm going with you. Oh wow! But wow. well, that's her—that's her attitude towards me. <laughs> I, mm. so, uh, but I couldn't convince her, so we kind of went on. But then, you know, things happened where we couldn't be—you be, know—being partners and singing anymore. So mm. she had to go, and I couldn't—I I, I couldn't let nothing stop me. You know what I mean? And she was trying to stop me. You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel bad for it. And then when she died, I really felt bad. I'm like, damn. Mm. And then when I went to France, oh man, they were like, Man, we we're so sad about Karen. She her voice was the most beautiful voice I listen to her every day. So these are people overseas. Right. Mm-hmm. But I really found out how dope Karen was because she she had people just mesmerized over her voice. Transcendent, yeah. Oh man. Oh, prior, so to passing,
0: prior to her passing. to did y'all have an opportunity to um to reconcile whatever the difference we actually, was?
1: Did. We actually? Oh, that's did. Because her girlfriend called, kept calling me up and saying, not girlfriend, girlfriend, no, but her girlfriend would call me up and she said, because you know, she was there when we had our big, you know, disagreement. Everybody was there. And so she said, why well, don't you just make up that with Karen? You know, I know that she's not going to be in the group no more because she got the but you really should. You know, you all really had something going on back in the day. Mm-hmm. I eventually just took up. I said, you know what, I'm going to be the man. I'm gonna just go a little bit. You know what, Karen? <coughs> all this way, man. You know, and, and I just wanna. I felt she was. She, she should apologize to me. But I, I was the one that was going all out for the deal, and she was just a singer to me. Right. I didn't know how. I didn't know how big she was to everybody else. But to me, she was just a singer. Right. And so, I finally came back. and I said, "I'm gonna just be a man." I said, "You know what, Karen?" I said, "We ain't spoke to each other for a whole year." Sense. And I know what went down and everything. I'm just gonna put my guard aside and say, you know what? We just need to be friends man. And then she mm-hmm. apologized. Then she said, yeah, you know, I apologize for that. What
3: I did. She she might have been thinking about it. Like, yeah, I think I. Yeah. I
1: think she was because her girlfriend named Gail. She kept she kept harping on me. Like, you know, looking, I, I know whatever. Just drop me yeah. right pride. Yeah. And I did. But guess what? When I did, it was probably about six months before she
3: died. Wow. Mm. So you got that it, opportunity. That's great. I,
1: and I'm only throwing out that number, but I know it was very, very close. And so me and my cousin, Scooty, we went, we went to the uh, hospital because they told me she was in the hospital, right? So we went up to the hospital. We we're standing outside the hospital. So I said, maybe we should call. So I, I called there and her mother answered the phone. She was like, you know, she's, she's not really feeling that good tonight. Mm-hmm. She so said, I'll come back tomorrow or something like that. Maybe she'll feel a little bit better. She died that
3: night. Um,
1: she died that night. And me at school, he was looking at me like, whoa, oh, wow. He called me up. He said, you don't care, I died. I'm like, wow, oh. heard. Everybody in the neighborhood heard. So, you know, it was over. Yeah. It was over. Yeah. Who would have thought yeah. you he would have died at 30 years old? Come on, nobody dies at 30. Not in my brain. Not, not in really? my life.
0: No. You know, that's, that's no. so you 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 guys wrote um gwen guthrie's rent right nothing ain't nothing going on with the rent yeah
2: that, that was me yeah with her
0: nice. I did the how, how did that come about and that's a that's a huge record i know some some Coming some of eight. our viewers are younger than others but that's a, that back in the days that was like a short for sure party starter that was a party starter and i tell you
1: two parts of that that's it. i met gwen guthrie in a studio in new jersey once again, like I knew, it. I just I saw her sitting over in the studio. I went right over to her, sat right next to her, I said, hey, boy, and she said, "Hey,
2: honey."
1: And she had that little, you know, Southern comfort kind of, mm-hmm. you know, warm-up personality, right? And I said, "You know, I like songs." She said, "You do." She said, "Let me hear one of your songs." So I sang one of the songs, sang one of my songs that I wrote with Josh, and um, and she said, "Why don't you send me a tape of that? I might want to cut that." So we cut that one. That was not the red, but anyway, we became friends at that point. And so she kept saying that she wants to write this song, for nothing going on but direct. She would always be like, yo, when are we going to do this song? She said, I, I, I got the hook. And I said, so we went into the studio, and I brought my bass synthesizer. And I'm going to tell you the secret. I went up to one of the clubs up in New York one night, and I heard uh, the, floor was, the floor was totally cleared out. And we were just sitting up there listening to music. White lines came on.
2: Oh,
1: and everybody was kind of like drawn into the floor, like, like, like there was a, in a trance, <laughs> and I was like, what's yeah. these people doing then? And I didn't know, but I said, I'm going to take this baseline and I'm going to it my way. <laughs> you so mean, we got so you? to the studio, I said, yo, check this out, Gwen. So I started, do, 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 to do, to do do. It's a gem, then, right there. That's a
3: gem you right know it,
1: There was that record because she had the words, mm. so she didn't have all of them. But she was kind of writing the we words, just doing it along the way, you know, kind of put pieces in it all together.
2: Yeah. And
1: cool. Every time we would come to a little spot, it would be like, oh, check this spot out, you know, it was really cool, right? So that's kind of how that came out, and I did not know that that was a hit record.
2: Oh wow.
1: I was too young. I didn't know nothing about yeah. stuff. I just did stuff for the, for the love of it. You know, I just mm-hmm.
0: loved music. That was you a know, woman's anthem words. right there. Man. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I like Gwen Guthrie though. Like Padlock is oh, yeah. still one of my Padlock. favorite songs. Padlock is dope. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Padlock is fire. That's a straight fire man. Come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Butter but was nice too. Yeah. yeah. She, she, yeah. I, I don't think she gets her flowers. You know, I, I think she's You know why?
1: Like, because unfortunately, and even one of the guys at the record company was telling me because he had me doing stuff for her too. And he was like, you know what? Gwen's going through it because she gained so much weight, right?
2: Mm.
3: And it
1: was during that time when, you know, women in the business, they was picking them just for their looks. Right, slender, I'm going slender. to give that girl a hit because she could just, if you could hold her note, I'll give it to you, cause you're fine. And she had to go through that kind of thing so people didn't look at her. Mm. And even though her voice was ridiculous, it was just crazy. <laughs> crazy crazy she has um well, what she, she
0: has heaven too right yeah well, yeah yeah she was yeah, yeah she had it was crazy yeah
1: but you know because of her look it and she's pretty don't get me wrong but she was very very big, and it was it was bothering her and she was trying to lose it and eventually she did end up losing a lot of weight she did yeah. but at that time it was almost her time was over because she had got cancer and then she passed away yeah so that Death angel's out here—he he ain't taking no business. Yes, you know?
0: yeah, very so, talented.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, super talented. She could play the piano, sing like an angel, man. It was so dope. Mm. And she could write too. She wrote—she wrote those words. Oh okay? man, I ain't touch a word. Just did the music. Mm. And as you see, I borrowed the music from Grandmaster Flash. That- <laughs> 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 I was there.
3: I was there. What,
1: was he sampling
3: back then? Hold on. <laughs> no, was no sample. Wasn't no sample. It, was it. It. it it seems like to me you had the like the pleasure of working with a lot of people that you became really friendly with and you know became friends and built relationships. Was was everybody that easy to work with?
1: <laughs> Some people are scary for me. When I worked with a Franklin, I was literally scared. No. Because I literally grew up with her as, you know, as a kid. Not even being a musician, she's been on my radio since I was a kid. You know, and so when Clive Davis told me, he said, "You know what?" He says, "I'll let you produce Aretha Franklin if you come up with a song." So that was the entryway to Aretha Franklin, but it wasn't, you know. It, it what, I said, what, "What can I do with her?" You know what I mean? <laughs> so I got the song. You know, me and a bunch of guests we all got together, got the song popping. What can I say to Aretha
2: Franklin?
1: <laughs> I go in the studio with her, and she's so prepared. She's so dope. It's just like she yeah. couldn't do no wrong. As you a matter of fact, why? I thought she was attitude on one little spot, and I was scared to say something. I said, I just me. I said, let me hear it. She rolled that tape back. She says, It's all right. Let's go. <laughs> <She met laughs> I'm like a little kid. You know what I mean? Wow. So. So that was that, you know, but we got an opportunity that was like her, that was our Grammy nominated uh, album that thing right there. Wow. So, you know, she was up for a Grammy for the, for the Best r album. Mm. You know, and I had the title track of the album, so that, it was like crazy. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Do, do you think I'm the advancement saying, of um, technology has enhanced or hindered instrumentation?
1: I think it enhanced, but you know, everybody's got their opinion. You know, because... It's funny how when we used to do tracks in the beginning days of Surface, and we never used sequences in the beginning. Hmm. But boy, by the second, stick second album come around? I need, I need the sequences. Because everything had to be kind of locked, locked in place. You closer to friends and all that stuff, they had to be locked. You know what I mean? What I mean by locked? That bass and that drums, they had to be totally tight. No mistake in that thing. And that's what the sequences got to do for me. You know what I mean? So it really helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, but You're other just, people would be like, nah, man, I, I, I'm into playing. I'm playing in the air. Sam, no, I'm, I'm doing it. Like,
3: <laughs> just as you explained it with Close to Friends in the sequence, do you think that's the reason why the song is so
1: timeless? No, so Close to the Friends. All I really did, I think, I think, um, I think we sequenced Dave's part, the keyboard part, <laughs> and, and um, we did not... Uh, sequence the uh, strings and all that kind of stuff. You did that with the Sound that He's like a genius with arrangements. But the song was written in the right key for Bernard. The right words. Everything was just so right about it. It
2: was yeah. scary.
1: There's something about that song that even it was perfect for Bernard's voice. You know, some things you know you could sing. Could be a little out of your key. You still sound good. Sometimes it could be a little low for your key. You still sound good. But that song. Couldn't do no
3: wrong. Melodically, yeah. Melodically, mm-hmm. sonically, yeah. it sounded
1: right. Yeah. Well, Everything—the the melodies, the, the sound itself—we started to come into a sound around that second album. Anyway, we started mm-hmm. to develop what they call the surface sound. So, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Was would in that what album was I missed on? That was on
1: Second Wave.
0: Second Wave, right? Yeah, that, that, was, I, was our, I... that
1: was our first single on the Second Wave album. Yeah, and without
3: that's a video, awesome. we got something three on that, on that, album, on that show. You had like, you had like five singles on that
1: album, man. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. They were all hits. <laughs> go on. friends. You're my everything. Can I yeah. spend
1: some time? Shower me with your love. It's like, yeah. it was Jesus killer. Christ. It was killer. Cool. It was a platinum album. off the That was set. a platinum album. That's yeah. it yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What a what a gold single. Shower me with your love. Your gold single. Yeah. Right.
0: Now, now is it true that um the first time. You guys had originally wrote that song even before you recorded your first album, but it didn't appear into the third album. On the third album, and no, so, that why? was
1: actually that was actually a third a third uh, album song. Oh, okay. And and Bernard and Brian Brian Simpson, who did the music for that thing, and Bernard wrote it. So that was one. That's actually our biggest song ever. It was also a gold single as well. You no, know, what we did was. Um, Wait, Noah brought us Shadow Me with Your Love. He wrote that song for Tony Orlando and Dawn. I don't know if oh. y'all remember that.
3: Tony yeah. Orlando, I do remember yeah. that.
1: Let's say. So, not played me that song. And I'm looking at him like, you can't get after them. <laughs> we
2: gotta
1: do that song. And Dave heard it said the same thing. So that's how that song actually ended up on the album, Second so Wave.
0: Yeah. That's like I mean, that's like a probably was like a big wedding song I could imagine too.
1: It's a big wedding song, yeah. you know, and it's just one of them songs. I, I just never heard anything like it. To me, you know,
2: when, when mm-hmm. you like, whoa, how do you write like that?
1: Like, and as simple as it is, it's a very simple song. It's not complicated mm-hmm. about it, but it just sounds beautiful. Back, really yeah. that, that was a smash.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm so glad they didn't put that out first because that was our third single on the second week out. They let it simmer. Like, I miss went to number three. Coast of the Friends went to number one. Bam, Shall Be with you. Took it to the mm. Took it to the moon. Wow.
0: So t- talk to us a little bit about um re- Resurface.
1: Well Resurface. Re- um actually it was I was actually had a little jazz band for a little while because we wasn't doing anything. And then Dave had died, you know, and we were left very empty, you know, and in, in spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dave was like one of my best friends, you know. Not only did we do music together, you know, we had our times for real. And when he left, it was, kind of left us alone for a little while. Mm-hmm. We didn't do the show, we weren't doing too much or nothing. You know, so I just started just because I still wanted to stand in use music, I started playing the flute and jazz bands and stuff like that. And uh, but every time I would play in a group, in, in my own group, right, everybody's like, yo, yo, play help when you start playing happy, I don't care if it's jazz or not, play a song! <laughs>
2: um,
1: I had ran into John Fever in, in a club in North, the key club, in, was it the key club, I think it was, in North, New Jersey. And he was doing a show for a radio station wbls and it was a uh, it was like who, who, who who's going to do the best singing wise was going to 500 bucks right i just happened to be in there that night and i was listening to this dude sing whip appeal by babyface
2: mm. i'm like
1: damn this dude's killing it I said, if he could do, if he could do babyface he could sure do service so, I had my man go snatch him up after the sack, right? right. And at the table, I said, yo, man, I said, sound, I love you don't to pack yourself so much like the Lord. I said, how would you like to, you know, come into my group and sing some of our Surface songs, she said, yo, I'm down the way. So, we started out slow, and he, I would just bring him in on a couple songs, whatever that case. And then I got a call to go out to France to, with Surface, right? Mm-hmm. So, when I got that call, I said, yo, man. Can you handle it? you handle, like Little Rean Bernard? <laughs> and he was like I felt that he was unsure. Mm-hmm. But I was really hard on him in the beginning because, you know, I had to take him out of his element and bring him into my element here. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I trained him and he got better and better. And all the way up to a week before we had left for France, I still wasn't sure. I'm like, I, I literally got mad at him I'm like, yo, you gonna learn <laughs> these songs man or what? We get ready for <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the stage, you know. what I mean, come on, man. And I didn't feel like he learned all the songs properly, so right. I was real no nervous. We got on that plane, got out there, man. He ended up doing pretty damn good. Uh,
3: that's wow. So
1: nice. He didn't murder, murder it, but it was good. He got the songs because the people out there they know my songs. They know. Them. So. And he did them so good. He did them just like, you know, like, sorry, Bernard, but he kind of didn't like you. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of how Resurface started. And I told Bernard Bernard that uh, I wanted to do a project and I wanted to call it Resurface. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, is that going to bother you? He said, no, uh, it's cool. Right. You know, I mean, I had made up the name anyway, so I I didn't think it would be a problem. but then it started burning you know burning up on on on, 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 the, on the road you know everybody started like digging it oh yo i like that service. and then we were singing the songs to everybody that got reminded of how wonderful it was from that day back in the day hearing those songs They're like my man talking about closer than friends and then people was like yo at that time dude, it was awesome my man is doing it too and some people was coming up to him like yo man you you sound the same as you did 20 years ago Mario.
2: yeah how I, I about
1: that am. <laughs> come on y'all <laughs> but it's good to have somebody that that uh, sounds so much like him that we can just pick mm-hmm. up the and still do these old songs you know and still be able to represent them you know yeah, so that, right. that's really what it, what it was and, and i always thought that that he was a blessing i always thought that so i don't treat him bad or nothing like that i treat i try to treat him you know the way he should be treated with his talent
3: Right. Yeah, that's dope. Right. wow man this has been a great it's been a great conversation' i yeah. I tell you this but I have one more question being uh-huh. and this is totally off topic you know you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier that you are an Israelite so I read the Bible too right. um, there's one verse that, I, that sticks to me a lot when okay. I'm, I'm by myself and I'm thinking of things and it's in Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 3 and it reads um, then I went down to the Potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. Give me your 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 understanding of that verse.
1: Well, uh, do you have the Bible in front of you?
3: I, I just have a, a clipping of it. I don't have I don't have the full physical Bible.
1: Do you have verse two?
3: No, it's, it's just the Potter's house I have.
1: Right now, you know the Potter. Okay, when 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 God talks about the Potter, it's in His hands. He, what is He doing? What do you do? What does a potter do to himself? He's creating.
3: He's, creating, he's uh,
1: creating something. Right. Right? And throughout the Bible, you'll notice that here he uses similar tools. Similar tools are something that sounds like this, but it's really talking about this. Yeah. So when, when when God formed us from the dust of the ground, he actually formed us just like he would do as a potter. Right. And and the thing about God, when he says that he, he formed, you know, at the potter's house, when he's formed stuff like that, nobody can tell him what to formulate with his hands so he'll tell you about certain people that he likes nobody hears this much and then he'll tell you about certain people that he does not like and then he'll say well who are you to tell me who made it who formed it right you're gonna tell the former who made this thing to make something that you might you might make something with your hands that might be something that you like and you might set, make something with your hands that you make something that you just don't like, right? So that's kind of what he's kind of talking about being the potter, right? right? And and a lot of times we don't really really you got a you got a favorite pair of shoes, I'm sure. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, you got your favorite shoes. Well, God has His favorite people. That's why He said that Israel is My favorite people out of all the people around the earth. Now. The thing about being Israel is like when I was growing up, I didn't know that we were actually the people of the book. Right. I didn't know that we were the Israelites that he loved so much. And I didn't look at us, we were terrible. We yeah. still are terrible, yeah. you know? But once you come into the knowledge, right? You'll find out that here is something very, very special. And slavery is in the Bible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When I read that, I was like, yo, that only happened to us, mm-hmm. and he said, these signs here are going to be showing you who my Israel is, and when you talked about, you know, like he's going to be put us in slavery because we did wrong to him. We disobeyed his laws. Right. And when you disobey God, he don't just. He's going
3: to show you. He's going to show you. <laughs>
1: you know about the flood. You right. know about Sodom and Gomorrah. You know so, and you're going to know about the thing that's coming up. You know, he said I. I'm not gonna kill the earth with water anymore. When I come back, I'm gonna do it with fire. So when you take all these things and put them together and stuff like that, you know, you get all of these lessons about what it is to be a person here on earth. And not only that, what it means to be a chosen person. So i had to take it real serious. I don't want to, you know, bore you cast up with everything. Right? Nah, so, and, the, and the
3: reason but, why I asked that, because you know, I, I look at that verse as when, when you're in the potter's house you're in your imagination you're in your imagination at work you're creating what it is that god is allowing you to create at that moment at that time you know
1: know, it's interesting when you say god is allowing you because a lot of times people don't don't even understand that god actually gives you a spirit to to
3: create yes sir
1: and when you look at the people that he says are his favorite people even though we might be down in the ground but you know you'll take a person that doesn't have much I didn't have a fluke. all of a sudden he said take this flute." all of a sudden I didn't know how to play he said here flu here's the spirit of how to play the flu yeah. so all of a sudden you'll see remnants of how great his people really are with nothing all right. you know what I'm saying so we don't have the opportunity to have the best schools we don't have the opportunity to have the best opportunities to be like Doctors and lawyers and not not saying we can't do it, right? But right. off the off the rip, who gets these things? There's certain people that gets these things that are handed down by their fathers, their grandfathers, and handed down. Him, boom, they got their their their, uh, their their monies that they handed down for their family. They can come right out of college. And, I mean, come, come out of high school, straight to the best colleges. Right. Have, have their school, uh, have their car, you know, have their dorms, everything just given to them. My they don't have to cool. do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Because they are thinking that they're the chosen ones But the chosen ones are really the brokenhearted The chosen ones that have really been beat down. The chosen ones are the ones that have been taken advantage of The chosen ones are the ones that, that had, had all the grace from God And messed it up by, by uh, not doing his laws So he said these people right here They're going to mess up I'm going to give them anything that they want And yet they turned around and said We don't believe in God when we turn around, don't listen to him. And turn around, don't do anything for him. So this is what he does to us. So when you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, it tells you all the blessings that he's going to give his favorite people. And then if they don't listen to him and hearken upon his laws and his commandments, he's going to show you what he's going to do to you, which is going to hurt you and your seed whatever. Right? So there it is. And then, boom, now we got to live with all the stuff that's going on there. That's why you see us killing each other. That's why you see us t- killing our babies in the war. That's why you see us um, doing drugs. and doing, Because we've been set down so low. Why? Because in the past, we were doing things that you said don't do. Right. Hmm. It's been bad. We didn't do them, so this is our punishment. But all we have to do is learn to come back to Christ. So all we have to do is learn what we've been doing wrong, do his commandments, come back to Christ. And bam, we're going to see the blessings, the blessings in, the, in the grace of God, you know, we're going to see it. You know, so it's, it's coming. It's coming
3: and that's how we yeah. close that. That's how we close that off, big. That's yeah. how we close it off, bro. There you
0: have it. Can you um? Can you end us off with the my favorite flute riff of all time, Happy? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm not gonna play it high because I had I had opened up my flute. I just played the regular.
2: All right. So Ladies that's, and
0: gentlemen. It, but before you
1: go, can I yeah. play you one of my new songs? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right, Let me play this. Let me play this thing. This is called uh, This is called cruise control. Cool. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is second time. It's called second time. It's talking about the second time you make uh your uh, vows to your wife. You've been with your wife all these years and now you wanna do the vows all over again, so I call it the second time. Here we go. Joy Spencer's going to sing this song right here. I'm
2: only
1: going to play beats for
2: you.
1: Once again,
3: <laughs> she feels so blessed. Second
0: time around. Yeah. Dumb and Dumb once again, y'all. Look
2: at that. I can hear
1: him singing that. Yeah. You can hear George singing that, right? Yes, yeah. 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 yeah right. I can hear him so we are busy doing that kind of
0: thing right now, you know. I just want to give you a little taste of what's
1: happening in the in the present now, you know. Because we're keeping it moving. Nice, right.
0: Well, well thank you to everybody for tuning in to the No Ideas Original Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Thank thank you, Mr. Conley, for joining us this evening
2: right, and for your man. wonderful
0: stories. We appreciate you.
2: Thank everybody,
0: you. have a good evening.